Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday! Um, Monday, uh, May 30th, 2022. Sorry, man. I just had a double espresso. That's my new shit, man. It's my new shit. It's fucking legal cocaine, dude. Leave it alone. I don't have a problem. Um, oh, double shot of espresso on Memorial Day, everybody. Come on, sing it with me. Happy Memorial Day to you. Happy Memorial Day to you. Because you didn't take the time to thank the troops. You just went to a barbecue. And you ate a bunch of shit. And you got some man tits. And you felt a tightness in your chest. So you made yourself puke in the shrubs. And your buddy's wife saw it. Ta. All right. Sorry. That's always the worst. You know, when you do something dumb and your buddy's wife sees it, and you're like, oh, God. Do I wait for her version and then I tell my version or do I tell my version first? You know, you got to wait. You got to wait. You know what's annoying? I was just walking down the street, and I was minding my own business. You know what it really annoys me? I don't like ah, when a woman dresses seductively but isn't confident. Is there anything worse than that? Because then you're walking past them, and they have this uncomfortable look on their face, and it fucking makes you feel like a creep. And it's like, I didn't tell you to dress like that, and I wasn't even looking at you. Stop fucking making that face like I'm leering at you. I was just going to say hello. You're the one who wore a fucking half shirt. It's fucking breezy out, you know? Put a whole shirt on. Put a whole shirt on until you can walk down the street. You got to be like Beyonce. If you're going to dress like that, you got to fucking be walking down the street like you can never get this, right? And then it makes all the guys be like, yes, yes, queen, yes. Whatever the fuck they do at those concerts. Um, no, I don't want to make fun of Beyonce. Jesus Christ, then I'll have all those fucking pudgy people coming after me. <laughs> Sorry, it's the espresso, man. I like it. You know, I sit there. I feel like, uh, je suis, uh, uh, je suis Guillaume, uh, je suis American. Uh, je voudrais un café avec, uh, du lait. Pas du vent, s'il vous plaît. Uh, go fuck yourself. Um, I'm getting back into my French, man. I'm back up. I'm up to fucking number 27 on Pimsler. You got to do Pimsler. This is, I'm, this is not even, I'm not even getting paid to say this shit. You got to do Pimsler. That, that's, that's where it's at. I mean, part of this might be the coffee talking about. Yeah, I'm a little fucking ramped up here. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I'm psyched about it. I'm off the road for two weeks, Right? I'm off the road again. Chicka boom, chicka boom, boom, boom. Old bald Billy's off the road again. He can hang out with his two little friends. That's all I did this morning. So I just played with my kids. It's hilarious. Both of them hilarious. We were playing uh, shoots and ladders, which I realized that's what I'm going to do now when I want to curse. I'll be like, ah, shoots and ladders. That works, right? So you kind of feel like you're saying shit, but not really. Um, and before all the Australians write in, I, I, okay, I get it. Ladders and snakes is what you called it. And we said shoots, you know what I mean? And they're like, they think it's because we can't handle 
snakes or something like that. That's not the reason why. You guys called it snakes and ladders because you have all of those fucking ridiculously poisonous snakes out there. I mean, we've got rattlesnakes here, but you never see them. You know? People in Australia go out to get their mail and they just never come back. <laughs> they either get bit by a snake or some Joey comes over and fucking kicks the fucking memory out of their head. Um, and they're not koala bears. They're kind of cunty too, you know? They're like, koala bears, they're like Star Wars fans, like nerds, you know what I mean? Where they're just sort of fucking laid back. And you think that they're nice because they're quiet. And then, you know, then you give them a hug and they pee on your leg. I don't know. I, I, I got I to work on that reference. Okay? I want to thank everybody that came out to Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. This weekend at the Cosmopolitan. I had such a great time there. Uh, I was working with Todd Rex and Mark Simmons. Um. Mark went up the second night. You got to see that guy, man. Fucking hilarious. Todd Rex did two completely different sets. Was fucking hilarious. I love that guy, man. T-Rex. T-Rex is what he goes by. And uh, just one of the silliest, funniest fucking dudes on stage and off to hang out with. We had a blast. And um, we were just doing... The thing about it is when I hang out with Todd, all we do is Archie Bunker. And, uh, oh, patty cake, patty cake, bakers, man, yeah, just doing all this stupid shit that only makes sense to us. And it usually takes me like three days to shake it off. Like I came home, you know, I see my wife. I'm like, oh, geez, Edith, you dingbat there. <laughs> She's just like, you were hanging out with Todd this weekend, weren't you? I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but I actually came home, you know, and, uh, my daughter, you know, was like, Daddy. And I started speaking French to her, and she was speaking it back to me. It's going to be sick because I'm going to learn it as she learns it. And then as we get older, we're going to get to talk shit about people that we're looking at in French. And it's going to be my, uh, it's going to be another thing, another daddy daughter date. You know, let's go out in public and trash people when they don't know what we're talking about. Um, another great reason to learn another language. It brings you closer to your kids, right? Um, anyway, so we were out in Vegas and, uh, I do what I usually do after, after the first night, the next morning I go, I wake up and I go for a little stroll there. Um, I went over to the MGM, which I hadn't been to in years. And I always loved that one. I'm a sucker for green, green car. I just love a fucking green car. That fucking British racing green. I just think it's beautiful. Kelly green. Fender guitar, that surfer green, all of that shit. I just, I like it. So I was always drawn to going over there. And um, I went over to the sports book. My favorite thing in the fucking world to do. Have a little action on the game. And uh, smoking a fucking little cigar there. Watching some innings or some quarters, whatever the fuck it is. But uh, they don't let you smoke over there. So I was a little disappointed with that. But uh, whatever. We had a nice little walk. Came back. I did... uh, I did my show. Turned out there was a buddy of mine that was doing a show, bigger show than me the next day. He ended up staying on my floor right before I left. So I went down, you know, hung out with him for a cup of coffee, which was great. Um, It's a good time. It's a good time. But I don't like going out there without, you know, my wife or whatever, you know, sitting in a fucking room like Howard Hughes, watching your nails grow, you know. Um, 
Anyway, but where I was looking out my window, I could see the Tropicana. And way back in the day, that's the first place I ever headlined before I was ready. And I remember I headlined two nights, and I just wasn't getting them. I've told this story before, and I got, I got bumped down. I got, I got sent down back to AAA. <laughs> they, they flipped the... The feature was really a headliner, and he was experienced, and they flipped, and I just, it was very humbling, but they were both, the host and the, and the guy were both cool about it or whatever, and I just was like, all right. I mean, I just remember the lady called me up, and she was just like, hey, Bill, you know, it's so-and-so from the Tropicana. I'm like, hey, how you doing? She goes, good. Um, how do you think the show's been going? <laughs> That's what I was just like, oh, no, here we go. Oh, Billy backpedal um anyway but this isn't what i wanted to talk about this isn't the biggest fucking news out there the biggest news is your boston celtics nba action is fantastic are going to the nba finals 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 against the golden state warriors and i have to tell you something i tried to watch that game seven i cannot watch the fucking nba like, I don't understand how sports fans watch the NBA and not realize that this shit is its just assisted. You're watching assisted reality. That's what it is. Like, the level of power that officials have, I just refuse to believe. I'm not saying that the game is fixed. I'm saying that it is, it is controlled. Like, the level of control that the referee has, it's, here's the deal. All right? The first quarter belongs to the players. The second quarter, if need be, the officials insert themselves to make sure that it's only going to be a five to seven point game at, by halftime. So if somebody comes out and they're fucking hot and they're up by 15, 17, 20 points, the NBA, they can't have that. The casual fans going to turn the fucking channel. But fortunately, it's basketball. And the referee has the ability to take players out of the game by calling fouls on them or you know, just calling fouls on the whole team and and getting them in the penalty, which puts the other team on the fucking line. I swear to God, every fucking... How many fucking times can you NBA fans watch a team have a fucking 20-point lead and just watch it evaporate in the final fucking six minutes of a quarter and then cue the Stephen A. Smith guy at halftime to inject drama in this what should have been a dramaless game going like, I'll tell you right now, I am really concerned about the team that was up by 20 is now only up by six. And you think you're watching the game. Then they come out third quarter. They let them play for half a fucking quarter. And the the, the fucking job of the referee is to make sure that it comes down to the final two fucking minutes. That's what it is. It's, It's a business. It's a fucking business. And I really believe that, like, it's cast like a show. All right, and what they repeat every day, every year, is they're trying to get Celtics versus Lakers. Not those teams, but the Lakers through shrewd moves and a trade, and the Celtics through the same thing in the 1980s were basically two super teams. And they were these two juggernauts that faced off year after year, and because of that, the NBA, with the help of Dr. J first, then it was Bird and Magic, and that just took it to the stratosphere, and they ended up passing baseball and football, and I believe they became the number one sport in the 80s. And then Michael Jordan 
carried him the rest of the way to 1998. And ever since then, like during that time, that became their fucking business model. So what they do is I just feel like they try to recreate the Showtime Lakers and the the 80s Celtics by allowing these pile-on teams to happen. So they have these two juggernauts. And then the referee's job is to kind of, you know, not fix the game, but massage it enough that the, the, the biggest money-making scheme has the best chance of, of getting to the big dance. That, that's what I feel. Because I feel like last night, if Miami was on that game and they went up by 15 or 17, I've, I'm telling you, they, Miami would have been in the penalty by the second quarter, and then the Celtics would be able to shave it to eight or nine to keep people hanging in there watching the game. I don't understand how the fuck you guys can keep looking at this shit and not think that this is what it is. I mean, some of those fucking calls. And then the great thing is all you got to do is just have a shit call, the air quote makeup call, and then that becomes the, the that's, that's their alibi. It's like the Chris Paul move. When they didn't let Chris Paul go to the Lakers... That's their fucking alibi when I sit there and say, like, yeah, dude, they just allow these super teams to happen. And every fucking mouth-breathing moron always goes, well, what about the Chris Paul trade? And I always go, give me another one. And they got nothing. They got nothing because they allow it to happen. I'm telling you, it's cast like a fucking show. And uh, so when I watch the NBA, I watch the first quarter. I watch the beginning of the third quarter to the referees start imposing their will, and then I come back in the final two minutes knowing that, you know, seven out of ten times it's going to come down to the wire because that keeps people watching and it's a fucking business. All right? I don't know. I hate to say there's no Santa Claus, but, like, I've just seen too many. I remember Stern saying, you know, what, what's, what's your uh, dream final? And he's like, the Lakers versus the Lakers. And that doesn't mean... He's a Laker fan. It just meant they got the best ratings, and that makes me the most money. You know, I remember hearing a particular player ask them what happened in that series, and he said, we didn't fit the NBA's script this year. (laughs) I remember they had a mobbed-up ref, which this was outside the NBA. That's another thing, too, is... There's inherent leaks in the dam over in the NBA, I believe, because of the level of power that an NBA ref has. It was inevitable that the mob was going to get in the ear of some referee. And the fact that they did the Lee Harvey Oswald on him and they just did the lone gunman magic bullet bullshit. I've said this since this shit happened. If you were on an officiating crew and one of the guys on your crew was fixing games, how fucking long would it take you to figure that out? I'm saying by the second quarter in the second game, you'd be pulling me aside going, Bill, what the fuck? What, you all right, dude? You going through some shit in your personal life? Like, what's going on here? Um, I don't. That's just, that's just my opinion. So I'm not saying that the best teams don't fucking win. I'm just saying that I, I feel it feels like a show to me, more so than any other sport, you know, where I feel like, you know, hockey's a fucking free-for-all. Um, yeah, I just feel like the rest of them, they, you know, they, the, the star players get the calls. That's sort of straight across the board. But basketball's the only one I watch where I'm like, okay, they're calling it tight. Now they're letting them play. Now they're, now they're calling it tight again. It's just like they, it's, 
I don't know. It's, I don't know. Call me nuts. Call me a fucking... I mean, I remember when I said it was fixed in the 2000s and everybody looked at me like I was a lunatic, but I was also, you know, talking about the Federal Reserve and all kinds of other shit. And I remember when that guy got busted and I went down to the cellar thinking I was going to be vindicated and everybody was just, well, you know, it was just one guy. They literally just say, you know, they just say what they heard on TV. It was just like, you know, they have weapons of mass destruction and, and everybody's like, they have weapons of mass destruction and then they couldn't find it and, and they were like, well, it's a liberation and then people like, it's a liberation. It was just one guy. It was just one guy. <laughs> Whatever. That's my uh That's my shit. Like I I was so upset watching that game yesterday. I was just like, I'm not fucking doing this again. And I, I literally walked out and I and I went back in enough to see that time when that guy on the heat took that off balance shot and after the ball was released, like Jason Tatum touched the side of his hit hip the way you would high five a baby. And the guy called, blew the whistle, and I think he blew the whistle because Tatum was near him, and, and the guy was all off balance, and he was like, that shit ain't going in. And then it fucking went in. He's, oh, even better, and one. Let's make it closer. I think they have these little fucking wires on them, the referees. And the commissioner, when it's getting too fucking crazy, he zaps them, you know, like how they train like a shelter dog, and then their fucking arm goes up. <laughs> all right, I'm getting a little crazy. All right, I am getting a little crazy, but I, I I really do believe that the NBA is massaged. I'm not saying it's fixed, but it's definitely there's there's you know the scenario that they're looking for. If it was fixed, though, if it really was fixed, I don't think the Spurs win all those championships because they weren't what the NBA would call an exciting team for the casual fan. I love the fucking Spurs. I love the disciplined team like that. I love the fucking, you know, a guy turn around jumper off the glass. I love that shit, right? But I just feel like, you know, and in defense of the NBA, I think all sports in general, out of greed, have really tried to ramp up the offense. It's not necessarily just out of, Greed. It's also out of the fact that there's now Netflix and the internet and video games and all of this internet porn, all of this shit that people are want, cord cutters and all that. So they have to just make, it's got to be like, like, I think that Chiefs-Bills game in the playoffs last year is what the fuck they're looking for every game. And I was really astounded by the amount of people that called themselves football fans that enjoyed that game. I'm like, Oh, so you just like to see scoring and like no, like the, the most the worst fucking defense you've ever seen in your life. So you're not a fan of the fucking, you know, the the, the steel curtain, the doomsday defense, the orange crush, the soul patrol, the purple people leaders. Back when defense defenses don't have fucking nicknames anymore. Then it all became the three headed monster, the greatest show on turf, the fucking three amigos, and all of this shit. It just became all about offenses. Never used to have uh, the run and gun. They just slowly, they started taking over. You know, I just realized I should be sitting in a chair right now with old man slippers on and a blanket over my legs going like, eh, let me tell you how sports used to be. (laughs) So I'll take that from you guys, all right? I am an old man. But I'm, you know, I'm going to watch the finals or whatever. Now, here's what I think about the final, all right? 
I feel like the Celtics are like a midseason replacement. You know what I mean? They have, you know, they have a couple of nice ideas out there. But, you know, we have our Jennifer Aniston's and Courtney Cox, you know, but we don't have, we don't have a good villain. You know, you got to have the cutie pie stars, but you need a good villain. And I feel like the Golden State Warriors, they have their Jennifer Aniston and then they have, they have their bad guys. You know, so I think that that's why they've made it to syndication over the last like seven years. I think that's that's why the network of NBA keeps greenlighting them to uh, go to the finals where I feel like the Celtics, you know, they're like a draft away on the script before they feel like they can make some money off of these guys. I don't know. We shall see. Um, Now, here's the deal. They just let them play. They just let them play. And these fucking refs don't impose their will. That's another thing, too. Like, name a sport, any other sport, where the officiating crew literally dictates the tempo of the game. Speeding it up, slowing it down, and all of that shit. Um, And look, I understand, like, in hockey, they got to do something. You know, if it's getting too fucking violent, they have to do something. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, tension and release. You know, pulling back on the fucking reins to make sure, you know, all right, Bill, I think you've made your point. Okay, all right, whatever. You know, blame it blame it on the espresso. It's just how I feel. But here's, here's a go. If, if, if the Celtics and the Warriors just play, I don't think that this is going to be, this is either going to be the Warriors are just going to destroy us or the Celtics are going to win. And if the Celtics win, it's going seven. And uh, I don't know enough about hoop, admittedly. I know enough to know that something's going on. But, like, if we can D him up, I think it's going to take seven games for us to beat him. But they've been there before a bunch of times. And uh, I think they could easily just steamroll us. But I think if we just get a victory early, get a little confidence and we drag them into the deep water, I don't think that they're built to go seven. Um, And I can say this as a 54-year-old, almost 54-year-old white guy who can barely hit a layup. That's my prediction. That's my tale of the tape. As a guy, I'll tell you, you know what's fucking underrated? Going for a stroll. Fuck this working out shit. Just taking a walk. Just being with yourself, you know? Talking to yourself, to people in your life. There's nothing better when you're talking about when you're having an argument with someone in your life that isn't there. I mean, you're going to win, right? Just walking down the street, you know, and you get so into it, you don't notice people walking by and they're just staring at you. And you're over there whispering. And another thing, I'll tell you what the fuck else I'm sick of. Okay, and you think I'm handling taking this shit? You got another fucking thing coming, okay? Because I don't know who the fuck you think I am, okay? Because I'm not the one, you know? You try to fucking do the white guy head roll there because you watch reality TV. Um, anyway, can I, can I read some advertising here for you? Uh, thank you to all the troops out there, man. Uh, doing all whatever it is that they have you doing right now. I love talking to troops, man. They're fucking fun people. You know, it's funny. Like, people who aren't troops, when they're on TV, the way they talk to them, it's the same way they talk about firemen, you know? 
these heroes are out there, you know, protecting your lives and all that. And then when I meet firemen, I'm just like, all right, tell the truth, dude. When you're not out there taking a cat out of a tree, you're smoking cigars and fucking hookers, right? Like, yeah. A lot of downtime, buddy. <laughs> all right, it's Movement Watches, everyone. MV, MT, Michael Victor, Michael Tango. Uh, in a tiny apartment in Southern California, two college dropouts teamed up to create a watch brand that broke all the rules with fair prices, unexpected colors, what is that? and clean, original designs. You got to like clean and original designs. A clean design, you know what that means? That means clash, you know? Not these big, stupid watches that people may. Look at me. I got nothing to say. So maybe I can distract you with my wrist. Uh, MVMT, pronounced movement, grew into one of the fastest growing watch brands, shipping to over 160 countries across the globe. Globe, globe, globe. Now movement has expanded into blue light glasses. Fuck, I have to get some of those. I always forget. You know, I need somebody else to fucking come on and advertise about how to help your memory. And then I take that shit. And then I'll remember to get these blue light glasses. This is why I like them. They're sleek jewelry and more style essentials that don't break the bank. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Blue light glasses, sleek jewelry, and more style essentials that don't break the bank, all designed out of their California headquarters. See that? You see that copy? At first, they were in a tiny apartment. Now they're in headquarters. You know, like the Hall of Justice. I used to fucking love that, man. To this day, man, like like a, like a lab rat. If they start playing that fucking horn, you know, when the Super Friends would turn it around, I I had so much stress. And once they started playing that, I'm like, oh, good, here they come. Um, anyways, all designed out of their California headquarters, and y'all are now the first to know that it, movement is may having a huge site wide sale for Father's Day, and y'all. Is this the Nate Bargatze copy that I got here? Um, Their prices are slashed up to 40% off from May 31st to June 17th to make sure you can get the perfect gift for dad. From classic dress watches to adventure watches to summer reading, boating sunnies. I'm going to ask for those blue glasses for Father's Day. I'm going to start doing those things. This podcast wearing blue glasses. Double shot of espresso. Right? I'm going to be like the Horace Grant of fucking podcasting. Uh, quality modern watches for a fair price. Super duper durable sunglasses with UV rated polarized lenses and, and uh, timeless styles. Their premium blue light glasses will not only look you, make you look great. Who is that? But filter 90% off. Uh, I think it's supposed to be 90% of the most intense blue light rays from your digital screen so you can scroll comfortably. It just sounds amazing, man. I hate when your fucking eyes get tired from looking at these screens. Wouldn't it be great if somebody created a product that solved that problem? Movement is going all out for Father's Day. There's no better gift than a classic watch or Sonny's. Sonny's! Thank you for the dad you gave me this year. Uh, All on sale for dad's big day. Shop up to 40% off for Father's Day. Shop up to 40% off for Father's Day and save big on the perfect gift for dad. Join the movement by going to mvmt.com slash Burr. Michael, 
VictorMichaelTango.com slash Burr, B-U-R-R, now and enjoy up to 40% off. Uh, once again, that's MVMT.com slash Burr. Oh, look who it is. It's Liquid Death. Um, some of the Liquid Death people came out to my show this weekend. Uh, Liquid Death, the water is giving me life. Why do they call it liquid death? Because liquid death will brutally murder your thirst. Murder. And these aluminum tall boys. I got one right now. You hear it? Drinking one right now. Ice cold. It's fucking delicious. It's not another plastic bottle in the ocean. Listen to how good this is. Mmm. Yeah. It's fucking delicious. Let me ask you this. Would you ever drink beer out of a plastic bottle? Of course you would, because you're an alcoholic. Um, but, you know, you want it in a bottle or you want it in a fucking can. This whole fucking thing where you just stick them in plastic bottles and then throw it in the ocean is stupid. All right, people? Wouldn't it be great if somebody put it in a can? Not only does it taste better, but it won't fucking be floating in the ocean for 800 to 1,000 years after you're dead? Well, welcome to liquid death. Uh, these aluminum tall boys are infinitely recyclable, so they bring, they're bringing death to plastic bottles. Death to plastic people. Think about your kids, man. Try to think of something more hardcore than that. Spoiler, you can't. You can keep thinking, but it's not going to work out. Murder your thirst and kill plastic pollution. Save the earth. Look dope as hell with liquid death. It takes up to 1,000 years for a plastic bottle to decompose. Your plastic will outlive you. Okay? I don't give a shit how many Dick Cheney heart fucking replacements you get. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Dude, what if what if modern medicine got so great that they could fucking rebuild your insides like Aaron Kaufman can, right? You're going to put some big brakes down by his feet, you know, get him a new powertrain. All and and then when you survived is you had to clean up the fucking mess that you made. Help recycle it and you just wander the earth. And that's who you are now. Like, you're, you're, like that would be the zombie that you were. Well, that would suck, right? And you have people breaking off. That's a good beginning of sci-fi. We're going to keep you alive because you have to clean up your carbon footprint. So then you're psyched you're still alive, but now you're like, Jesus Christ, why did I buy all of this shit? All right, let me just keep going here. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Look cool drinking a crisp tall boy filled with fresh mountain spring water and reduced waste. It's a win-win-win situation. You'll see these cans popping up everywhere. Liquid Death is available at your local Whole Foods, 7-Eleven, Target, Albertsons, Safeway, or Amazon. But you know that's not all. You can rock Liquid Death merch. That crazy logo that you know and love is now available on sweatshirts, hats, even license plate holders. And don't you dare pay for shipping. Go to liquiddeath.com slash burr to get free shipping on all water and merch. That's liquiddeath.com slash burr to get free shipping on all water and merch. Liquid death, murder, your thirst. Oh, I love when I do that dramatic pause at the end. Reminds me of that guy. And now you know the rest of the story. I'm Paul Harvey. Good day. Right? And then they would cut to Joe Green in the BZ Copter. Live above the tanks. Talking about the backup on the Southeast Expressway. I remember thinking that's the coolest fucking job ever. To be Joe Green in the BZ Copter. Um, Concord 
experience. All right, this is going to be uh, this is going to be some some questions from the uh, listeners. Oh, look at this, Billy in the sky with diamonds. But up, up, a do. Long time listener, first time writer. You know, Bill, when I was younger, not even twenty, I knew a man named BJ that flew on the Concord. Oh wow, this is I was talking about. I always wanted to fly from you know JFK in New York to Paris on the Concord, you know, just feeling like Roger Moore, uh, the fucking white tuxedo. You can't be classy like Sean Connery. You got to be a little loud. I like Roger. Roger Moore was a little louder, a little more cheeky, as they say over there in fucking England. Uh, I knew a man named BJ that flew on the Concord. He was an insurance salesman who cut his teeth as a B-42 bomber crewman during World War II when he was my age. Holy shit. I mean, if that's not the one of the scariest fucking jobs ever. He was also dressed to the nines and was very amiable, a good soul. I wish I had that. I wish I was a classy older guy. You know, one of those people that could wear a sport coat and a pocket square and not look like he's trying too hard. You know, unfortunately, most people from my generation, at least the, the, the people that I hang out with, yeah, they all dress like it's the first day of school in eighth grade. You know what I mean? They got like a hoodie. They got a, you know, brand new Yankee hat, a Red Sox hat. You got to have the official one, right? And then you got a pair of like, you know, clean basketball sneakers. And you can't tell them that they don't look good. All right? All of these guys that I know, Verzi, Giannis, I mean, they, they like, Giannis pop, like when they, when they get a new pair of sneakers, it's one of my favorite things because I love those guys, you know, when you, when you love people, you want to see them happy. There's no, nothing better than seeing Paul Verzi get a new fucking like Yankee fitted and a new pair of fucking sneakers. I'm telling you. When Paul Verzi gets that on, he's suddenly five eight and a half. <laughs> anyway, he gained a passion for aviation from his time, going back to the thing here, in the service. I, I commend that guy. If I was in a plane and people were fucking shooting at me and all my friends, you know, weren't coming back and everything, I would think, you know, some, I think I'm going to stay on the ground. Um, anyway, and was fascinated by the progression of that technology. He got to fly in the Concorde a few times because he was rich and he loved telling me about it. The luxury, the feeling of takeoff, and the power of the engines. Those were Rolls-Royce engines, I believe. Uh, It truly must have seemed like an alien technology to him. My mother told me stories about my grandfather, who was a radio operator for the Merchant Marines during the war, and his excitement over the new portable transistor radios. It must have been an incredible time to be alive. Uh, He gave me a few VHS tapes on planes and the Concorde itself. It still sits on my shelf as a memento. It's truly, it truly was an amazing plane. Well, first of all, I got to tell you something, man. Uh, that guy is the old man that I want to be. Dressed to the nines, still doing cool shit, and then like telling stories to younger people that makes them want to learn about stuff and then become a cool old guy. Um, that's a big, like, thing for me oh speaking of which you know what I didn't tell you guys I went to the whiskey last Thursday night and for the first time since 1988 I saw Def Leppard 
live. But the first time I saw him was in Reynolds Coliseum in North Carolina. I had like third row, and I was standing between Rick Savage and uh, the late, great Steve Clark. Right? Is that his name? I, I don't know. I'm going way back in the bank here. Um, and they put on this amazing, amazing show. And um, that was the Hysteria Tour. So I had not seen them in 34 years, right? And so they were having an album release party. I downloaded their new album. You should check it out, man. It's a fucking good album. And what I loved when they came out on stage was they all looked great. And they were all having a great time. And I learned a lot just from watching that. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, you know, I go out and I I still go see those bands, you know, from when I was a kid. And when you go out and the band's not having fun anymore, it just becomes like really depressing. And it makes you feel, I mean, it makes me feel about my own mortality. And I start thinking, oh man, you know, these guys are 10 years older than me. How much time did they have left? How much time do I have left? And you just feel awful. But when you go out and see a band like Def Leppard, it's the exact opposite. You don't think about your mortality. They, like, remind you to go out and live. You know, because there's a lot of people, they, they fucking quit, man. They quit. I swear to God, they quit early. 20s, 30s. They just quit. It's like they're serving out a fucking sentence, waiting for some pension. I don't know what. But um, they came out, and they, uh, they opened with one of their new songs, um, and I really liked it. I forget the name of it. And they played two new ones. They played this other one, Kick, that I really liked. And it had this great chorus that seemed like a really good, going to be a really good sing-along when they do the, uh, for the crowd when they do the, um, the baseball stadium tour. Um, and they just went out and they killed it. They played a tight set and they did, uh, they did, uh, it was for Sirius XM. It was like simultaneously cast or whatever. And what I love was Joe Elliott, He's singing better than he's ever sung, and he uh, he was really funny. So in between songs, I remember when they, they played, like, the last song, and he was just, I can't do the English accent, so forgive me. He was just like, right, this is the part where we usually walk off stage, and hopefully you'd keep clapping. So we come back for the encore, but, you know, it's tiny little space here, so why don't you just act like we fucked off, and now we're back, and just clap for us, and we'll play. And everybody was like, he was just really cool. He had that uh, older Englishman, like funny gentleman vibe, man. He just really cool dude. And um, it was also great, you know, just watching Phil Collin and Vivian Campbell shredding on guitar. And uh, I remember watching, I was just like, I fucking miss this. I remember that going to concerts and just watching those guys going up and down the neck like fucking wizards. And um, I was also watching that drummer, obviously, and his left leg the whole time was, like, dancing around back there. And I always knew, like, you know, when he first came back after his injury, that one of those, that he was playing the snare now rather than with his left arm, he was playing it with his left foot. But he had a bunch of pedals back there, and he was playing the fills perfectly that he played when he had two arms. So I was like, how's he doing that? Because especially... One of the fills was like like a flam with a kick, like blacka, blacka, da, 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 whatever, going down the kit. And he played the flam perfectly. So I'm like, because he also had a snare traditionally between his legs. And I'm like, is he playing a flam between his right hand and his left leg? 
That's incredible. And I actually looked at his setup online. His drum tech put it up. And it's, I think he has, like, right in the middle is his snare drum. If he moves his foot to the left, I think that's a bass drum. So it's like bass drum, snare drum, and then the other pedal is a floor tom. And then on his, his bass drum foot, he has the bass drum. And then to the right, he has another floor tom. And I think he plays like doubles with his right hand, doubles with his kicks when he's doing like, with his kick foot when he's doing like 16th notes down the tom. It's fascinating. And the sound sources change. So he's kind of like a guitar player where he has to like, you know, the drums, it's easy, like snare drum, kick. It's always there with guitar players. It's like, all right, this is a G, but where on the neck am I playing the G? It's almost like that. But um, I got to say, you know, for all the troops out there, you know, you're coming back. If you have injuries and that type of stuff, I really suggest checking out his setup um, and hearing how amazing that he plays with three limbs and all of that or anybody who's sustained an injury. That's what my first thought was like, man, this guy should go to Walter Reed and inspire people, speaking of Memorial Day, on – that, you know, it's not over. Like, there's still all this fun that you can have. And it's really like, it kind of reminded me of like, uh, you know, self-taught guitar players out there that play like a, uh, they're left-handed and they just picked up a right-handed guitar strung right-handed and they just made it work and they come up with their own shapes to make the chords and stuff like that. It's sort of like he reinvented the drum kit, but he's been playing like that for like, I don't know, 35 years or so. So he's a master at it and... He fucking rips. What I'm saying is, is when Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and uh, Joan Jett all go out this summer, you should definitely check out that tour because, uh, you know, these guys have like, I don't know how many decades of musicianship under their belt, and they're going to fucking kill it. So, sorry, that was a big sidetrack there, but I had to bring it up. Um, here we go. Leave animals the fuck alone. Dear Billy the Wise... In response to your statement, leave animals the fuck alone, I would like to share this article with you. Please focus your your anger towards these nerds who keep fucking with the planet the next time there is a pandemic from all their work in their pussy-ass lab. P.S. I love science, but come on. Uh, Gene editing turns fluffy hamsters into aggressive rage monsters. Okay, I'm in. This is like one of those creature double features. This sounds like one of the movies. Gene editing, experimenting, turns fluffy hamsters into aggressive mutant rage monsters. Oh, my God. Well, maybe they can finally beat the fuck out of this. I mean, they're, they're based, those, those things exist to be like appetizers. Like hamsters are the sliders of the food chain. Can I get you started with something? A mouse? A hamster? Uh, A team of scientists in the U.S. have accidentally created overly aggressive mutant hamsters following a gene editing experiment. And they should destroy all of them, but they won't. Using the controversial CRISPR, CRISPR technology, researchers at Northwestern University, shout out to the Big Ten, were examining a hormone called vasopressin and its receptor Avprola, no, A-V-P-R-O-1-A. They opted to try and remove the latter from a group of Syrian hamsters. Syrian hamsters. Oh, jeez. It always goes back to the Middle East, doesn't it? Uh, With the exception, uh, with the expectation it would increase bonding and cooperation between the lovable little critters. Why don't you leave them the fuck alone? 
That's because AVPR1A is understood to regulate things like teamwork and friendship as well as dominance and bonding. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to make us a bunch of fucking lackeys. Their expectation proved to be wrong, very wrong. We were all really surprised at the results. We were anticipated that if we illuminated vasopressin activity, we would reduce both aggression and social communication. But the opposite happened. The academics found the adorable bundles of fluff turned into mutant rage monsters. Um, all they have is videos. Dude, this looks like a UFC fight. You know, they're already taking it to the fucking ground. If you want to read this, it's on metro.co.uk. Of course, it's over in the UK. And then I got to fucking tell us what we're doing over here, right? Um, gene edit. Gene editing turns fluffy hamsters into aggressive rage monsters. Check that out. Um, insane. Anyway, something badass I own that I am unworthy of. Dear Billy, uterine lining. I don't even know what that means, but that is amazing. I'm sure it's insulting, and I accept it if it's going to be that funny. Uh, Billy uterine lining. I'm, I'm missing the the, the thing. If, if Billy uterine, it sounds like something. I never took a fucking health class, so I don't know anything about the vagina other than it fucking dominates my life. Um, I have a badass, authentic, expensive cowboy hat that I don't deserve. I'm from Philly and Boston, but I'm an Irish Catholic alcoholic cunt. Ah, oh, dude, I got a big place in my heart for you. I relate. Who is a black hole of irritability? I bought the hat for a Halloween costume and couldn't go cheap because, you know, life is a competition and everyone is out to get me. Um, I even drove 90 minutes to an authentic Western supply store. The last time I went to Texas, everyone was so impossibly nice and well-mannered. My heart warmed until I grew depressed at how much liquid cunt runs through my veins. In Texas, a teenager once went well out of his way to hold a door for me, and I froze. I was so confused. I assumed he, he wanted me to cast him in something. Follow him on Instagram or blow him. Oh, you in the business here? Cast him? Blowing people? I mean, that's how you make it in Hollywood. Um, It'll be all in the book someday. Um, He didn't want any of that. Just wanted to be thoughtful of a stranger like a fucking psychopath. Uh, Someday I'm going to go to a ranch for a month, ride horses, and fuck some goats or maybe my cousins or maybe the goat's cousin in order to earn this boss cowboy hat. Yeah, dude, you got the fucking Irish anger big time. The fact you couldn't just say, I'm going to go to a ranch because it spoke to me and brought peace to my heart. You got to bring like bestiality into it just so you could, you know, so nobody goes, oh, do you like to ride a horsey? You fucking queer. All that homophobic shit. Um, Listen, just because you were born and lived in Boston and Philly doesn't mean there's, you know, all of us connect to nature. There's nothing wrong. You know, I I go out there in the middle of fucking nowhere, and you know, it, it there's, there's something great about it. It's the same thing, like smoking a cigar by yourself or having a cup of coffee, you know, without a loud group of people chatting. Um, I had a nice cup of coffee by myself this morning, you know, and um, there's a couple of lesbians next to me, but they were hot, so it didn't bother me. You know what I'm saying, kid? Sorry, I'm going back to Boston. Um. Actually, we're really good looking. I'm not going to lie to you. And one of them was going like, you know, James Dean. And the other one was the hottie. 
And I was just looking at him, you know, in Hollywood mode going like, if that was like a buddy comedy and they stole a car, like I'm in, I'm watching that movie. Um, Home Remedies, everybody. Hey, Billy Shivers. Oh, I missed that. Paul Verzi came up with that. Billy Shivers there. (laughs) I grew up in the 70s and 80s like you. You weren't very well off and lived in an old farmhouse from the 1800s. Oh, we weren't. Uh, Anytime you got sick or hurt, it was two things. Vicks Vapor Rub. Oh, absolutely. And those goddamn cherry sucrets that came in a tin. Yeah, that's what you did. You got the flu, Vicks all over your fucking body. Yeah, it was all your chest. You know, unless your uncle came over and he did a little too much thorough job. Um, And we didn't uh, have air conditioning in this old house. So you just went to bed smelling like Peppermint Patty's asshole. Headaches, sucrets, stuffy nose, Vicks, and sucrets. Broken arm, cherry fucking sucrets. Yeah, that's the truth. Um, broken arm they put it in a sling then you got a frozen shoulder and you had a crooked forearm for the rest of your life anyways hiccups they suck a home remedy my grandmother would try was to take a straw put it in your mouth sideways and bite down on it like you were getting ready for a civil war amputation Uh, then you take little sips of whatever you want to drink while the straw is in your mouth Probably to just keep your mind busy so you're not thinking about the hiccups, but it works. Maybe that's what it is. Saw you in Phoenix. Love the podcast. And go stuff a dry umbrella up your ass and open it. Jesus Christ. Good luck with the forthcoming movie. How about that for a visual? Um, all right. Oh, somebody's looking for advice. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I got to use uh, the one and only time I get to. Not the one and only time. Man, I got a lot of windows open here. Hey, I got a friend of mine. He likes to open windows. Closing windows. I wish I knew how to just make it all go away. I know there's a shortcut. Here we go. Okay, here we go. It's time for advice. Hey! Your host, Billy That's me. And I'm off this all right, it's advice time, everybody. Advice for a British guy. Hey. Oh, shit. Little Def Leppard, high and dry. Come on. You going to tell me you like a DJ better than that? I'm sure you do. Um, I don't. Uh, hey, Billy Backblast. Uh, I'm a 22-year-old guy living in the UK. I've never been to the States, and I've always wanted to move there. Well, why don't you just visit first? Let's see if you like it. He goes, I met a 26-year-old lady on Xbox. I know, Xbox. Hear me out. Hear me out. So I randomly joined a group of Americans playing Red Dead Redemption Part 2. Doozium. And she joined just after. We click pretty much instantly. We can laugh about pretty much anything, and we have tons in common. We both love working out, the same TV shows and movies, etc. From the first day, we started messaging each other through Xbox a lot. We message on there every day for a month and then started talking on Facebook. We've grown really close, and there's definitely interest from both sides. We talk every day, messages, and phone calls. Oh, you're on to phone calls. I'm head over heels for this chick, and the distance is obviously an issue. I want to tell her exactly how I feel, but I'm worried because it's going to take at least a year or maybe two to be in a position to move. I know it's dumb, Bill, but help a British brother out, a British cunt. Uh, she's one of a, one of a kind and no one I've ever met is even half the person she is. 
Well, why are you telling me this? You should tell it to her. I'm visiting her home state in November. There you go. And she's made comments about how I should come and walk her dog while she works and help around the apartment. How do I approach the situations? I'll tell you how you do it. You keep being cool. You keep talking to her. Don't fucking spill your guts about being in love with her or whatever you think it is until you, you meet her and you really see that this is true. Who knows? She might have a goofy walk and it might fuck with your emotions and then all of a sudden you said you loved with love with her, now you got to fucking break up with her. You know? Take a long flight home. I, I would I would play, you know, I, whatever you're doing, I would keep doing. He said, how do I approach this situation? I've already been holding it back for months and life is short. What the fuck do I do? P.S. I love F is for family and all your shows. I hope you come to... I hope to come to one of your shows sometime. Thanks and go fuck yourself. Um, I don't know. Usually I'm one to just say, tell her what you're thinking. But, you know, there's a little bit of distance here. Um, I don't know. I, I, whatever you're doing seems to be working. I would just keep doing that. And, uh, you know, throw some stuff out there. Just say, you know, I really look forward to talking to you every day. And then she'll be, you know, I really look forward to talking to you too. And you got to read that. You know? Was she just being nice? Is she, are we playing the repeat game? I think about you a lot. Oh, I think about you too. It's like, okay, can you come up with some original nice shit to say to me instead of just, are you just like being pleasant? I don't know. You got to be honest with you, man. I've been out of the game a long time. All right? I got ice on both knees here. You're talking to a really old guy here. So I would just say keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I wouldn't, you know, because there's distance there. It could get a little weird if you push it too hard. It seems like she wants to get to know you better with, you know, walking the dog and you're coming to see her. She obviously likes you. If she just, like, liked you, you know, she doesn't want you to go walk her dog. You know what I mean? So I think the signals are there. But because of the distance, I don't know. I, I think you just keep, like, you know, just be fucking cool. Make her laugh. Keep staying in touch. Tell her that you're excited to see her. I, I would let the big emotions happen face-to-face. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if you end up uh, kissing her or whatever, then I think that's a time to go a little bigger and, and, and tell her what you're telling me. I think, it's a li- I think it's a little weird via text or via headset while playing Red Dead Redemption to going, you know, I think I might be falling in love with you. Oh, watch out for that cop behind the door! You know, I wouldn't be doing it while you're playing a video game. Um, other than that, I don't know how love works in 2022. All right? But I'm rooting for you. Okay? Both in the video game and in life. All right, that's it, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. Go fuck yourselves. Enjoy your Memorial Day, which it's already half over or three quarters over. Um, and don't get any arguments today. All right, have some burgers, have some hot dogs, you know. Say a prayer for the troops, all the troops around the world. Anybody who, who has to fight in a fucking war, you know what I mean? You got to do that because at the end of the day, if you're just like me and you just play drums and you get excited about a double shot of espresso, you know, you're not a hero. I don't care what they call you. You're not, all right? So tip your cap to the people that deserve it. All right? Chew your fucking food because you don't want to choke to death and ruin the party. All right, that's it. Go fuck yourselves, and I'll check in on you on Thursday.